Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. It is week three of the blacklist, as I already mentioned. We, uh, we have a chance to, to do this series every year. Uh, if you don't know what uh, the term blacklist means, there was a time in the Industrial Revolution when people were talking about forming unions, and basically they were fired from some of the major factories uh, in the cities because uh, the, the owners of those factories didn't want to have to raise the wages or improve the working conditions. And so if you even were thought to be associated with a union, you were fired and you were put on what was called the, the blacklist. And so uh, none of the, the factories, none of the places in town would, would hire you, and so the term blacklist means to basically uh, be ignored or to be forgotten about, and sometimes uh, things still get blacklisted in our culture. We feel like churches kind of have a blacklist. There's some things that that they won't talk about, things that we've decided, oh, let's only talk about love and forgiveness and puppies and things like that. Let's talk about things that make us feel warm and fuzzy, and so churches uh, often don't talk about certain topics, and so this series uh, is our attempt at talking about those topics. Last week, we talked about sexual sin and and, uh, some some things that maybe aren't talked about all the time. This week, we want to talk about... Uh, another topic that is sometimes uh, maybe just one that, that we avoid altogether, but we want to talk about swearing. We want to talk about our language. We want to talk about the heart uh, behind those things and, and where sometimes our, our language can take us. And so last week, as we were talking about sex and sexual sin and different things, I mentioned that there's usually a moment for everyone in elementary school or middle school where you have that one crazy friend on the bus who really starts to, to educate you and teach you some of the things that, that you didn't know or maybe your, your parents haven't talked to you about yet. And and uh, it's not just for, uh, for sex and sexual topics. Usually it's that way for language, too. I remember being on the bus and, and hearing, uh, I was like in first grade, and hearing a sixth grader say a word. And I'm like, I don't know what that word means, you know. And so you, you go home and ask about it. And your mom's like, who taught you that, you know. And, and you have that, uh, that moment where you're like, oh, there's words that are, okay, I see what this is. And so uh, we, we, want to, uh, we want to talk about that because uh, the, the world teaches us a lot of things. The world bombards us with a lot of things. And we learn from other people sometimes what we're supposed to say, what we're not supposed to say, how we're supposed to carry ourselves, and how we're supposed to, to talk. We learn those things from our friends. We learn from the culture around us. We learn uh, from, from school friends, and we learn on the school bus. But you would probably uh, be asking, why is this something that we're going to spend an entire Sunday talking about? Is this really that big of a deal? Is it really that scandalous? Is this really uh, something that we want to talk about for a half hour? Isn't there something else we could we could spend time talking about? And the reason that we want to talk about this uh, is because, as, as you'll see here in a moment, Scripture tells us uh, that, that where our, our mouth leads, where our, where our language leads, our heart follows. And so uh, the things that we're saying, the places that that's taking our heart, that's leading us in, in so many more ways than, than we realize. And sometimes we look at swearing or language language is one of those things like, well, it's just not that big of a deal. It's, it's kind of like a, like a paper cut, right? But, but uh, we've, all, we've all thought what would happen if you had a million paper cuts, right? We've all had that moment, oh, it's just a flesh wound. But sometimes enough of those things stacked up can lead us in the wrong direction and lead our friends and lead our family uh, in the wrong direction. And so I have a, a video that, uh, that we want to uh, show you today. This is just a, a small taste of what it looks like when, when uh, language can, can lead us. So we'll, we'll show you that uh, video in a second. But it's a, it's a it's a glimpse into exactly what happens when our families are bombarded, exactly what happens when we ourselves are bombarded by the language uh, that exists uh, in America. And so our big idea for the day is going to be this. To be an instrument of God, you've got to be an imitator of God. To be an instrument of God, you've got to be an imitator of God. So watch your mouth. 
right? We, we would all say that as Christ followers, we want to be used by God. We would all say that as Christ followers, we want to be instruments of God. We want him to be able to, to use us in a way that he would describe. And, and so scripture tells us to be used by God, to be an instrument of God, we have to imitate God. And sometimes we think that that sounds good, but yet when we talk about imitating God, we don't want to talk about what it means to honor God with our mouth. And so I want to invite you to turn uh, to a passage in, in the Bible today. There should be a Bible in front of you, underneath your chair, around you, somewhere there. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. I believe it's on page 895. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, page 895. And as you're turning there, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll let you check out this this video to talk about uh, how swearing interacts and what that looks like in American culture today with our families. This is a video to illustrate that point. All right. Well, I know some of us are thinking, is it really that big of a deal or was that just an excuse to make a video and shoot a family with paintballs? A little bit of both, right? Uh, no, that's a, it's, a, it's a good wake-up call. But we want to look at this passage today and look at uh, how our speech and how our language can affect uh, the way that, that we can be instruments of God. So I want to invite you to look at page 895 in your Bible there, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. I'll read along and, and you can follow along. Feel free to take some notes if God puts something on your heart. Verse 1 says this in Ephesians 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So what are some things that we can do if we're, if we're looking to be instruments of God, if we're looking to let our language dictate the course and the pattern of our, of our lives? The first thing that we can do is simply what that says. We can imitate God. And yet that can, that can be intimidating, right? If that's, if that's going to be the notes we take today and we write down step one, imitate God, part, part of us are thinking, well, that, that's not really possible because he's God and I'm just random person from the west side of Columbus and I'm really not that cool and nothing about me is very godly. I think sometimes we, we sell ourselves short. We think, I, I can't be God. And yet scripture tells us if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Scripture tells us that, that all things are possible with God. And so even imitating God is something that is possible. But how do we imitate God? Well, it it tells us. It says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. We have the Gospels. We have the life and ministry of Christ as our example. We see how Jesus interacted with people. We see how Jesus talked to people. We see how Jesus loved people. We see how there were times that people were not very excited about Jesus. And he was in conflict with them and how he handled that. We see how he did ministry. We have his life and his patterns and his character as an example. And we're told to imitate that, to mimic that. Not just that, but this this passage goes on. It says, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so I want to ask the question, if people were to look at your life, if they were to look at your actions, if they were to even look at your speech, at the way you talk, at the way you talk about people or to people, would that be a a pleasing aroma? Or would they think that, that you had bad breath? Not real breath, but you know what I'm saying. Some of you are like trying to figure out if you have bad breath. But would, would your life be a pleasing aroma to God? Would the way that you treat people, the way that you interact with people, the way that you love people be a pleasing aroma? We need to focus on imitating God. Verse 3 says this. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. So as we're reading through this passage, I think sometimes uh, we, we, we see sexual immorality and other things, and we're like, see, this isn't about language. It's just an example it's naming, because it's actually about the, the sins that are really bad, right? We, we like to think that there's like a, a scale of sins, and that some are worth like two Jesus points, and some you can lose ten points or have to drop down a level, and somehow it, it correlates to, to Mario Brothers in, in some way, right? You lose your ability to shoot, like, firepower out of your hand, whatever, I don't even know, but, but we think, like, yeah, those are, those are the real bad sins, and this, this, this speech stuff is just kind of added on to the end. It's just another example of, like, try to be a good person, and yet they're put on par with each other. These things are named in the same passage, and it even says... That we shouldn't be immoral. We shouldn't be greedy. And look, look how it references a greedy person. What is a greedy person? It says, verse 5, it goes on and says, For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And there are a lot of things that we could say are the things of this world, but I think we would have to agree that the speech and the words and the customs of this world can often come out of our mouth, can often be things that, that are coming off of our tongue that we don't even realize and so sometimes the way that we can be greedy, the way that we can be an idolater, is by the way we speak. Verse 6 says this, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. I love these verses because it gets at the heart of the issue for, for most of us in the room, I think. Most of us in the room, like I said, we're, we're having this moment where we're like, yeah, I mean, it's swearing, it's not good, right? But it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. And then we go through that logic where we think like, well, what makes those words bad anyway? I mean, it's kind of like a, a cultural thing. Like a few generations ago, someone's grandma decided that a word made them uncomfortable. And so they, they told people to, to stop saying that word. And so they just stopped saying that word because... It was something that, that made grandma feel bad. Or we, we think it's, it, it's not really a problem because only certain people have a problem with it. Or some of us think like, well, if you knew where I've come from, if you, know, if you knew how much God had changed me, you, it's, it's just not an issue. It's kind of like that last thing I'm working on. And I've got some, I've got some habits. And we, we start to justify things and think, well, there's a, there's a reason that I, I do this. We think that it's because of our upbringing or because that we're, we're manly or because we had a rough background and we apply a, a certain logic and we feel like it's just a list and people have made this list and for some reason you can't say those words. Have you ever played that game Taboo? Maybe you have. Maybe you're not from a board game family. I happen to be from a board game family, right? Taboo is a game where you have to describe a person or a place or thing, but you can't use the certain obvious words to, to talk about that person, right? So maybe if you had to describe Urban Meyer coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, you wouldn't be allowed to say football, Buckeyes, Ohio State, or coach, who always wears white, you know, and they're like, an angel, Santa Claus, you know, you're trying to guess stuff, and you're like, no, he has hair, and it takes away your ability, and sometimes we feel that that's what, that's what this, this swearing morality, this swearing logic has done, and so as, as we've given our lives to him, as we've let him be in our lives, and we've had relationship with him, as Stuart talked about, we've let him change us, we're no longer defined by darkness, we're defined by light, and he shines through us and Jesus is living through us. 
And there's been a change that people should be able to work in with the guys that I work in. These are, these are not guys that are, that are working in cubicles. These are guys that use this stuff. And so sometimes to communicate, I have to speak their language. I have to talk like them. I have to say the things that I, I need to say. We're not supposed to be defined by darkness and by the things we see around us. We're supposed to be defined by light. People should look at our lives and see light. Verse 10 says this. For people that maybe are struggling with this and we're saying my language and my speech unfortunately does steer my life and steer my heart in certain directions. What are some things that I can do? We already gave you that first one. Imitate God. Look to his example. Look to the example that Christ gave us when he was on this earth. The second thing that you can do is who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk on wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with every person. So what's, what's step three for those of us that struggle with this and those of us who feel convicted about this and realize that sometimes our speech thoughtlessly we need to let the Holy Spirit control our lives. Not just, not just be somewhere in your life, not just have a, a part of your life or a piece of your life, or not just talk about the Holy Spirit once a week, but to actually let the Holy Spirit lead you, to give him control. Say, Holy Spirit, I have trouble controlling my tongue. I have trouble controlling my speech. I often reflect darkness. I often drag down the name of Jesus I need you to lead me in my speech. I need you to, to capture every opportunity, every interaction I have, every conversation I have, and lead me. Why does that matter? Because these things are, are emotional, right? There's, there's a certain amount of emotion behind the way that, that we speak. There's a certain amount of emotion behind the, the way that we lead ourselves when we talk. I mean, we, we've probably all excused a word or two or a hundred, Right? But think about the emotion behind those things. It's, it's not often that you hear someone swear that there isn't like a certain amount of impatience behind that, right? We're in traffic and we feel the need to let that guy know exactly how we feel. There's probably an emotion behind that, right? Someone at work is, is not, not doing their job. Maybe we work for them or they work for us and so we're talking about them to some other people and there's some emotions behind that. Someone makes us angry, Someone doesn't do right by us. We feel the need to talk down to someone and talk better than someone. There might be impatience behind something. There might be anger behind something. At best, when we're swearing, even when we think we're being funny, there's probably arrogance behind something. And so, are those words in and of themselves bad? I don't even want to talk about that, to tell you the truth, because I think it's the emotions that are tied to them that we would almost always agree are sinful. The places that those words take us are not places that we need to be as people who reflect light. The places that those words take our hearts and lead us are not places that we need to be as Christ followers. Those words take us straight for sin. We recently got a, a church office. Some of you have been there to check things out. And, and uh, I, I've, I've got a bag of candy because no one wants to come to my office and see me. So I went and bought that because I thought at least I could like buy friends or something. And so uh, my kids have realized that there's candy there. And so randomly throughout the week, the ones that aren't in school, they'll be driving by the office and they'll say like, let's go see dad, right? And they're not talking about seeing dad. They're just talking about let's go get a piece of candy, wave at dad, and then leave without even talking to him or hugging him or telling him we love him in any way, right? They're, they're going straight for the candy, and they don't really care about dad, right? Sometimes when we're, when we're swearing, when we're, when we're letting our tongue lead us, 
we're, we're headed straight for the wall. We're going to crash. We're headed straight for sin because our, our, our tongue is steering us into being impatient, to being angry, to being arrogant, to talking down to people. We don't realize it. We like to excuse it. But we're headed straight for sin. We're not letting the Holy Spirit control us. We're heading away from God. James chapter 3 says this. I'll just read this to you. You can let it speak to you. James chapter 3 verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. This passage is saying that our hearts and our lives and our speech have to make a choice. And sometimes we think there's there's much more gray area than there really is. We have to decide, are we going to be people that the world sees light from? Are we going to be people who choose to, to show the world darkness? I know there will be times that we mess up. I know there will be times that we get angry. There will be times that we're impatient. There will be times that we're greedy and arrogant and we're talking down to people. But we need to make a conscious choice to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and to let our speech glorify God. There's a verse in Luke 6.45 that says, What you say flows from what is in your heart. So sometimes we like to think that those two things are are disconnected. And you can try to tell yourself that, and I try to tell myself that. But that's in disagreement with Scripture. God is saying the things that are pouring out of your mouth are things that are in your heart. And when you're saying them, you're encouraging those things to take root in your heart. And not just to take root in your heart, but you're steering your life and your mind and your testimony and your reputation and your friendships and your platform. You're steering them all that direction. So we need to watch what we say. We need to imitate God. We need to be conscious of the things that come out of our mouths. Uh, sometimes I mention that uh, being up on a, a platform, a stage like this, is, is an ironic thing. Uh, because usually throughout the week I get to prepare and interact with, with a topic and, and look at a passage of scripture and, and I, as I know sometimes it comes across like I'm talking down to people or I'm up here like, why do you swear, you pagans? You're all bad people. And yet this is something that God's been dealing with me for weeks as I've thought about this and as I've prepared. I've even looked at words that I say around my kids, you know, because I have like my, my adult Christian version of swearing, Right? I've learned to say certain words like crap and sucks and certain things. And I'm like, oh, at least it's not that other word, right? And then you hear your, your seven-year-old say it. And you're like, wow, I, I taught him that. I don't even think I knew that at seven. 
I didn't say crap till I was 14. And it's okay then when you're 14, right? And so I've, I've had to look in the mirror and look at some of these things and look where I'm leading my family and where I'm taking the people that are most important in my life and where I'm, where I'm leading myself and where I'm leading those relationships. And so this isn't about a list of, of certain words, although I think we could talk about a list of certain words because there are certain words that, that the world won't even let you say on television before like 11 o'clock, right? So we would all agree that those words are probably bad. We probably wouldn't go into a preschool and say, hey, kids, start saying this word, right? We probably, we probably wouldn't teach that to our small children because we know that it's just not, not a good word. And yet for some of us, I think we need to look at a deeper issue. Where are the things that you're saying leading your life? Where are the things that you're saying taking root in your heart? And what are you saying? What are you talking about? Who are you talking about? Because to be an instrument of God, you've got to imitate God. We need to watch our mouths. Now, we've always said as a church, and you've probably heard this a few times today, that we want to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We've said that the word movement talks about us as a, as a, as a greater group of people and the fact that, that we don't have a church building but that, that we go all throughout the city and we impact people all throughout the week. The word movement means intentional and contagious. And so we want to be intentional with telling the world about Jesus. We want his love to be contagious in our lives. And we already said that sometimes we need to wake up. And I want us as a, as a church to wake up to this concept Are you being intentional with the love of Jesus or are you being intentional with the words you say? Sometimes we're intentionally steering ourselves in the wrong direction and we just don't want to think about it. Sometimes we're intentionally steering our spouse or our family or our friends or our whole movement group or the people we work with in the wrong direction and we don't want to think about it. I want us to think about that, to pause and ask, am I being controlled by the Spirit or am I telling myself that I'm being relevant, that I'm, that I'm able to reach people because I'm doing this? Where are the things that are coming out of your mouth and the words that you're saying steering you and steering your circle of influence? Scripture tells us that when we're found in Christ, that we should be different, that we should be set apart. Sometimes the longer we're a Christian, we, we try to, to not be set apart, Right? We get scared that we're looking a little too different. And we think like, well, maybe I can do this like, like I used to. Or I can do this like, like other people. And, and I understand that. I'm not saying that, that we should all move into an underground bunker and, and start a Christian club or anything like that. But I think sometimes we can't be embarrassed of looking different. If someone has changed your life, you can't hide that. If someone has changed your attitude, you can't hide that. If someone has changed your speech and changed your vocabulary and changed the way that you you don't get as impatient or as angry or as arrogant or as cocky as you used to. You're not as relevant as you used to be, whatever that relevance is. That's okay because you're set apart and you're changed and you're different and you're a new creation and you're changed by God. So if we're going to be people who are instruments of God, we have to imitate God. And those of us in this room and those of us that are in movement groups and those of us that are in family, we're rubbing off on each other. And we're all trying to be instruments of God. 
I don't know if you know this, I, I play guitar a, a teeny bit, not good enough to be on this stage anymore. Josh has passed me by, so I just play on my porch, lonely in the middle of the night. But, but there was a time that I, I like to think of myself as a musician, right? And there was a, there's a time that, that my, my dad, as we were growing up, he would always play guitar to us. He would always play random Jim Croce songs, and if you don't know who that is, you're okay. He's not that important. But that's why I have a, a Jim Croce record uh, framed in my office, because Jim Croce makes me think of my childhood. And my dad would like sing us to sleep playing like the most random like old trucker songs and things like that and songs from the 70s and so for better or worse I, I've always thought when I'm a when I'm a dad I'm gonna play guitar for my kids and so I play them like you know I don't know Jim Croce songs and other things things that I know and uh, it's amazing when I'm playing guitar kids always have a moment where they're like I need to touch that guitar you know and so you'll be playing and they come up and they're like there's knobs I need to turn those knobs I need to you know and you're just like you know and the notes start changing you're playing and it just gets completely different I thought about making one of these guys do this today as a demonstration but I knew it would just anger them as a musician but you, you get the point right you know that tuning knobs on a guitar are important and, 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 and an instrument being in tune kind of dictates the the music that it plays right and so there's nothing more frustrating than when I'm trying to teach my kids to be able to sing on key someday and be adults that can contribute to society uh, because they can sing on key that's an important one if you didn't know uh, and and they just come up and, and change the the note which affects the chord which then I'm not even singing in key because I don't know what the key is anymore right it affects my ability to play an instrument and sometimes the ways that we talk The ways that we interact with people, the things that we let come out of our mouth, they affect our ability to be an instrument of God. And not just our ability, but our kids' ability, and our friends' ability, and those closest to us. As they're trying to live for God and be an instrument for God, we're just messing with the knobs, right? And changing the tune and saying, good luck playing this. I'm going to talk like this. Keep running after God. Keep pursuing God. You keep singing. I'm going to do whatever I want and say this, and I hope you're okay. We're messing with the ability of those closest to us to be an instrument of God. We're messing with our ability to be an instrument of God. To be an instrument of God, you need to imitate God. You need to follow God. You need to do what Jesus has set an example for us to do. You need to watch your mouth. And I know that that seems like a petty thing, but it's a big thing. And it steers our lives. And it steers our hearts. And it steers us individually and corporately as a church. And so I wanted us to to think on it today. Will you join me in prayer? God, thank you for the chance to pause today. Lord, I pray that uh, this topic won't just be something that we think about for for two or three minutes and we feel kind of guilty and we go about our day. Lord, I pray that, that your spirit will lead us. Lord, I pray that your spirit will convict us. I know that I've had to commit to you, Lord, that there are ways that I want to change my speech and the way that it affects and steers my attitude this week. Lord, I, I want that same thing for, for people in this room, Lord. I don't, I don't know who's feeling convicted. I don't go to work with everyone. I don't get to see in people's homes, and I don't know what we speak like or what our interactions look like, Lord, but I know that this is often something that, that Christians take lightly. And so, God, I pray that you will convict us. I pray that you will work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you will give us the ability to imitate you. I pray that you will give us the ability to wake up to the sin and wake up to the way it's steering our heart. Lord, I pray that you will give us the ability to watch our mouth, to watch what we say.
God, I pray that when people look at us as a church, as a group of people, that they'll see a group of people that are intentional and with the love of God and, and very forthcoming, Lord, that, that, that you're in our lives and you're in our hearts, that they see light. And Lord, I pray that that light will be contagious. God, help us to be people who are marked and who are changed and who are set apart, who look different. Lord, not because we want to act like we're holier than others or not that we want to act like we're better than other people, but because we want the light that people see in us to glorify you. So God, I pray that you'll work in our, in our hearts, work in our lives, work in our speech, work in our language, work on our tongues this week. Help us to be changed. Help us to be set apart. Help us to be instruments that can glorify you, that can make beautiful music, that can play for you, can say that you are Lord and can say that you are love and can say that you've changed us. God, be with us as we go. Help us to be the church this week. It's in your name I pray.